welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, why don't you turn to your neighbor, just tell them this, say you're lucky you got to sit by me today, and let's give all of our campuses watching online a big hand clap. Will y'all give Amarillo, Henderson, Dumas, Texas, we welcome you. We're going to have 96 more of you before too long. Can I get an amen out there? Believe in God to touch 100 cities and 100,000 people. But I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to get to minister the word this morning. I'm, I'm pumped. I had a, had a great week. I got to be at a church growth conference, one I go to every few years in Seoul, Korea. So I spent the last uh, four or five days there in Seoul, Korea with the pastor of the largest church in the world and with some of the church leaders from the largest churches in the world. And uh, the churches we have in, um, in America, a lot of times people will say, well, the church we attend in America, it's gotten too large, it's not personal, it's not this, it's not that. It's amazing, a lot of the churches in Seoul are 100,000 plus. Um, Dr. Cho's church, the church he established, hit one million members in one city. There's churches all over India hitting over 100,000, churches hitting 50,000, 200,000. And I'll tell you why those churches grow. Those churches grow because God wants to reach lost people. And when you get down to the heart of the gospel, the heart of the gospel is not about our convenience, but it's about a lost world that needs a loving Savior. His name is Jesus. He died for them, loves them. It's coming for them. And come on, his church wants to be a part of that. Can I get an amen out there? I don't, I don't live to serve myself. I live to serve a hurting and a dying world. Now, I want us to take one moment. I want us to, to pray this, this morning. Now, I want us to ask God to come and to, to bless this message. And I believe he's really going to help us. We're going to get something out of this. We're going forward in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray today. Father, I, I thank you for the people under the sound of my voice I thank you for, for his church, your church. I thank you that you're blessing it, leading it, guiding it. I thank you that you're putting your hand upon it. Lord, I thank you that you would use us to do something significant in our life. Use us to do something that, that helps change a dark world. Use us to be a voice. Use us to be a light. Use us to be salt and oil that, that's poured out that just to help people. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And the church said, amen. If you have your Bible on you this morning, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Deuteronomy. We'll go to the book of Deut- Deuteronomy. And uh, whenever you start, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy is about the part of the Bible you, people give up on when they're doing their daily Bible reading starting in January, right? So we'll get you all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 8 today. And uh, we've been talking about making gains started a message last week entitled Making Gains, and that is that God wants us to gain and to go forward in our life. I believe that God wants this for us. I believe he wants your life to be better next year than it was this year. I believe he wants us to be more like Jesus next year, amen, than we were this year. I believe he wants our marriages to be better next year, our, our, our relationship with our family better next year, our 
Christian witness to be better next year. And I also believe he wants our relationship with the resources he's given us to be better next year. And I believe we can make gains in the financial world, which really is a spiritual world as well. And here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, about our relationship with wealth and God, all right? Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power. Come on, everybody say the power. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. I want to take a moment and commend you for being here this morning. Just showing up in the house of God on a Sunday morning shows that you're remembering the Lord your God. Just look at your other neighbor and just tell them this, you're doing good, you're here. Just tell them that. Huh? Half the battle is showing up, amen? It's a proof that we remember our God. The fact that we come to church, it's, it's hey, I remember my God. Every time you read a scripture, it's a symbol that you remember your God. Every time you pray a prayer, come on somebody, it's proof that we remember our God. And he says this, he says, I want you to remember your God. He goes on for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. I want you to know that God, everything that we have, everything that we touch, everything that we eat, everything we put on, come on, what you drive, the house that you live in, all of that is a gift from God. And it's God who gave us the power to get this. Now, notice this, that the Bible doesn't simply say God's just going to give you wealth, right? It says he'll give you the power to get it. Come on, everybody say the power. Give you the, the force and the faith and the work ethic to go and get what he's called you to, to have in life. I think a lot of people, uh, they might have heard a message on giving or a message on giving and receiving, and they think that God's just going to automatically give them buckets of money. Uh, most of the time, buckets of money don't just show up at your door, do they? No, God gives you the power to go out and work, to think, to get after it. Come on, to put your first foot forward, to hustle a little bit. And through that, then there's a flow of resources to take care of you, take care of your family, and also to take care of the world. And it's the power that he gives us. Now, I just really believe this, that God will give us the power to gain wealth. Now, he goes on and he says this. He says, it comes for a reason. I'll give you the power to gain wealth. And he says that I might establish the covenant I swore to your fathers. All right, any wealth that comes to you or any money, any resource that comes to you from God doesn't just come to you simply to have a good time, although God wants you to enjoy what you have. There's nothing wrong with having money. Uh, only thing that's wrong is money having you. Can I get an amen out there? Nothing wrong with having money. Money having you is where the problem comes on. And he really says, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. He says that I might establish my covenant. All right, God gives us the power to get wealth so he can establish the covenant he swore to Abraham and the covenant that we as Christians are now grafted into. And it was a promise that God gave to Abraham that I'm going to make you like the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea, I'm going to bless you, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. See, God will give you the power to get wealth to bless you, to bless you, but then also that we might bless the nation. Come on, what God wants our relationship to money to be is that, number one, we're blessed, but we're not just blessed for ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's the goal. Why? To establish the covenant. What's the covenant? The covenant's the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
God will give you wealth so you have wealth to take care of yourself and to preach the gospel around the world. How many of y'all want to help Jesus reach more people next year by what he puts in your hand? Come on, let's give God a real hand clap. I want to be somebody's miracle. Come on, I want to meet somebody's need. I want to be somebody's blessing. Can I get an amen out there? He says, so you can establish our covenant. So why does his church want to plant more campuses? Pastor, why can't you just be happy with one campus right here? We had a good thing going. Why do you have to go forward? Why? Because we're called to establish his covenant around the world. The gospel didn't just come to Owensboro. It came to Owensboro. It came to the next county. It came to Kentucky. It came to Indiana. It came to Tennessee. It came to Texas. It came to Mexico. Come on, somebody. It came to Russia. It came to Thailand. It came to Asia. Wherever the God says, I want my gospel to go, that's who we're called to reach. So we're the people that establish the covenant. If it's not us, who's going to do it? If it's not now, when is it? If it's not, if it's not the time, when will the time be? Come on, we are the people, now is the time, we're the place. It's time to establish the covenant around the world. See, here's the thing about, about really um, God's covenant of wealth. It's going forward in life or provision or generosity, whatever you want to call it. People hang up names on it and they get torn up about it. They're all biblical names. It's really a heart issue more than it's a verbiage issue. Getting your heart right with money and God and all those things. But here's what it takes. It takes two legs to go forward financially. Talked about it last week. Number one is the leg of generosity. Come on, everybody say generosity. We talked about the tithe last week and, and taught on that, being generous with giving money. But being generous by itself isn't enough to help you go forward financially. It's a big leg. It's half of the equation, but it's not all of the equation. I've met people that generosity is very easy for them. They can give. They're not chained to their money. Money flows through them, but they never know how to hold on to money. They can't retain any money. It takes a second leg, which is the leg of management. Come on, somebody say Management. It's not enough just to be generous. You also have to manage. If you get those two legs together, you have a balanced biblical message with money. And it enables you to go forward in life. A lot of people never get this knowledge of the second leg. And because of that, they perish financially. As a matter of fact, America desperately needs a message like this. The average household in America has over $15,000, $16,000 in credit card debt. A very large portion of those households only pay the monthly minimum interest. That means they're nailing them over 20% interest all the time on that credit card debt. Come on, we're not called to be slaves to the credit card company. We're called to be lenders and not borrowers. Come on, let's give God a hand clap by, by faith in advance. That's who we're going to be. Amen? Here's some things I want us to think about today on the management leg, all right? The first concept I want us to get is, number one, it's not my money. Come on, look at your neighbor and just tell them it's not your money. Just tell them that, all right? Not your money. Psalm 24, verse 1, it says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you see in this earth, it belongs to God. It's not ours, it's his. Aren't you thankful that God let you live in his house last night? Anybody thankful that God let you eat at his breakfast table this morning? Come on, God let us go into his closet and pick out our clothes today. 
And I'm looking pretty good, sweaty, but good right now, right? Let me, let me wear his clothes. Even the shoes you have on. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him you look good in God's shoes. Just tell him that, huh? You look good in God's shoes. See, everything we have is God's. It's not ours. Even the breath in our lungs, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. So if I begin to see everything I have is his and not mine, I begin to take different care of it, right? If you have a car and you've had it for several years, how many know when the news starts to wear off of that car? When you first get a new car, right, it's like, oh, I'm going to garage keep it. The kids are never going to eat anything in it. Come on, right? I'm going to have it washed once a week. It's going to be waxed. I'm going to take good care of that car. And now fast forward 18 months. The car hasn't been washed in 17 months. You open up the back doors and kids' toys and French fries and four food groups and two funguses lives in the back seat where the children have been. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. Why, why does that happen? Well, you start to view that thing as yours. You don't see it as new. But you wouldn't do that in a car you borrowed from somebody you really respected, would you? Right? What if, what if, what if your boss lets you borrow his car? Right? You treat it different. If it's, a, if it's maybe not, I don't know, some of you wouldn't, but some of you would. Um, if, it's, if it's like an esteemed leader in your life, you're driving their car, you'd treat it different. Well, really, the truth is everything we have, it belongs to God. Whenever we get that concept, we begin, to, we begin to manage what we have in a different light. Our money belongs to God, right? Everything we have, our future belongs to God. And if we trust him with everything, we begin to have a different relationship with everything. It's not ours, it's his. We are merely stewards. Now I'll tell you, God's looking for wise stewards. He's looking for stewards that will take care of what he's given them. And whenever he finds a steward that will manage over his stuff wisely, he gives them more and more and more and more. If you'll have a right relationship with resources, God can bless you with more. All right, second concept I want you to get this morning is that we must have a plan. Come on, everybody say, I must have a plan. See, life can happen to me, or I can happen to life. It's true in almost every area. Life can happen to me, or I can happen to life. A lot of people, they're raised with this concept that you just never know what's going to come your way. Que sera, sera. You know, life can be hard. Tough things, they happen. And it's kind of like this fatalistic Greek concept that life's just happening and I'm along for the ride. Well, the Christian concept of life is not fatalistic like that. There's a very different type of concept if you read through the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs teaches if we will have a plan, life won't just happen to us, but we can start to happen to life. I'm going to tell you, we're not the kind of people that allows life just to happen to us. You can't always control what happens, but come on, you can control your response to what happens. And whenever you control your response to what happens, all of life begins to change in front of you. See, I'm not going to let life happen to me. I'm going to happen to life. And here's what you have to do in the financial realm. If you don't happen to money, money just happens to you. How many of y'all would, would, could bear witness to such a concept, right? How many of you have ever got some money, you got your hands on a little extra money, you had it in your pocket, and uh, man, you, you didn't know what you were going to do with it, but you weren't really watching, and before long that money was just gone. It was yesterday's news, right? 
You're like, what happened to that money? It's like changing a $100 bill. You break that 100 in some 20s, a 10 and a 5, it can be gone in three minutes. Be gone in two minutes if you have three children. I'm telling you, it can go fast, right? It goes fast. Why does that happen? It's because the world has a plan for your money, and that is they want to take your money and separate you from it. And they are good at it. Their marketing is incredible, right? Man, they make things look so good. Things you didn't even know you needed. Now once they market it to you, you gotta have it and you gotta have it now. You know, there, there's stuff that, that they can really plant a seed. They've got it down to a science where they can show you what you didn't know you needed and get you to separate yourself from finances to get something you won't care about in a week. So instead of letting money happen to us, we have to happen to money. We must have a plan. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21 verse 5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. The plans of the diligent will lead to plenty. You want more in life, you got to get a plan on how you're going to spend, Right? Not just spend as it comes to you, but you get a plan on spending. All a budget is is a plan. I want you to say this out loud. Say a budget is a plan. It's just a plan. That's all it is. I think sometimes the term budget is, is uh, it's a mystery to a lot of people. And whenever you say budget, they're like, man, I don't know how to budget. I've never been taught how to budget. My family didn't talk about budgets. How many of you know nobody in school is going to teach you about a budget? That doesn't happen. So who's going to teach us about a budget? If our family won't teach us and our school won't teach us, the church better teach us how to budget, right? And all a budget is is a plan. you got to have a plan, right? And for me, the plan, the first thing is I'm going to honor God first with my money with the tithe. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. We do that around here. We believe that. That's the first part of the plan. Amen. Probably the, a, a, a great plan is, number one, we, we honor God with the tithe. Second part of the plan ought to be is find a way to save 10%. Find a way to save 10%. Right? Give God his 10th and I'm going to take my 10th for the future. Because there'll be a day I'll come out of my wage earning years. Right? Nah, nah I don't, I'm not going to confess that. I'm going to say I'm going to make more money in retirement than I made when I was working. That's what I'm believing God for. But I'm still going to plan like I'm not going to at that point in my life. Hopefully I'll be wiser and I'll know more about money. I can make better investments and make more money in my 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, and 110s and 20s, right? Then I will today. But if I don't, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. So you got to have a plan. After that, you got to plan in. It's like, here's what the mortgage is going to cost me. You have to know. You need to get those numbers down on paper and look at them so you know. Here's the money I pay for the mortgage. Here's what the, the utilities are going to cost, right? It's got to be there. Here's what the kid's clothing's going to cost right here. Here's what my car's going to cost. Here's what my insurance is going to cost. Here's what my, my um, nobody has cable anymore, but my, my internet and my Netflix and all of these things are going to cost. You got to write it all out where you can see it. And you tell that money where to go instead of that money telling you at the end of, of your life where you can and can't go. You tell the money where to go now or it'll tell you at the end of your life where you can or can't go. What you can and can't eat. I don't want to be in that position. So let's get a plan today. Can I get an amen out there? If you're in that position, we're going to pray God to help you. Amen? We want to help you. But I, I, I'm, I'm talking to people that we can cut that off at the pass right now. Amen? So we must have a plan. Here's an app I use. that It's a great app. Uh, it costs a little something on the app store, but it's called the Albert 
app, all right? It's the Albert app. Albert, and you ought to look at it, check it out, but you can link it to your whatever cards you use, your bank accounts, and it'll come out and show you what you spend. Computer will analyze it, it'll show you what you spend, and then it'll come up and show you if there's been some weird expenditures on your account. And it'll be like, hey, somebody spent a bunch of money on shoes. I'm like, who could that be? Who could have spent a bunch of money on shoes? I'll be like, hey, you spent a million dollars on Zulily this month. I'll be like, where is Jesse? Somebody get Jesse in here, right? Jesse hates Albert, but I like Albert, all right? So Albert is a good app, and it's worth looking at. You, you, ought, to, you, ought, to, you ought to check it out. You must find a way to save. That's a plan. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. That hurts, doesn't it? The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The Bible says, he who loves much oil and wine will not be rich. The guy that has to have luxury and has to have it all the time will not be rich. So really, I think um, we can think in America we live pretty lean, but if you've seen the global world, you'll begin to realize how blessed we really are. It's a big world out there. We're a blessed people. The poor in our nation, a lot of them have multiple TVs, live in air conditioning, have three squares a day. Come on, we are a blessed people. We ought to give God a hand clap for the blessing. It's on our life, amen? We're a blessed people. We really are. And, and I think there's a way you got to get ahead of it. Some people say, I don't have money to, to save. Well, most of the time, if you'll look for it, you can find it. If you get diligent and look for it, you can find something you can cut. And if you'll take care of what matters first, you got to take care of what matters first, like the tithe and saving. If you don't take care of it first, the money goes. Then the money's gone and there's nothing left at the end. What you, if it matters, you have to do it first, and you make it automatic. Here's the last thing I'll, I'll talk about, and I really believe this, our relationship with wealth and money and management is, in America, I think we've been sold a lie, and the lie is the 40-hour work week. We believe that 40 hours is going to make us whole. And most of the time it won't. If you go right back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis is the basis of everything theologically. Every theology, every understanding of the world that's out there, it all starts right in the book of Genesis. And if you look, God goes to work. Isn't it interesting that one of the first images we see of God is God as a worker and a diligent man? Our God is a workhorse. Can I get an amen out there? He's not lazy. He's not slack. He's not waiting on somebody else to build a world for him. God steps up and he builds a world for himself, right? He's that kind of God. And if you'll find that, God starts his first day, he starts working. He's done with that day, he goes and he rests. He goes for a second day, he works. He's done with that day, he rests. Goes all the way through the fifth day like America does. He's done with that work day, he goes back and rests. But where America stops working after the fifth day, in the book of Genesis, God works on a sixth day. God has a six-day work week. 
I wonder how we expect as Christians, if God only works five days or six days, if God works six days, how are we going to work five days and get ahead? I believe that five days will break you even. Six days will get you ahead in life. If you want to go higher, you have to work harder. I believe that. Not just work harder, but work smarter as well. And uh, I'm not saying on your sixth day you have to be out digging ditches till you die. I'm just saying on that sixth day, Jesse and I, we've called it six-day income. We heard this preached, I don't know, six, seven years ago by Pastor Willie George out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. We decided what can we do with our sixth day. And our six-day job is I'm in the cattle business. Our six-day job is we, we travel and we minister. Have other investments. I do something else on the sixth day to help push me forward in life. Because here's the deal. I don't want just enough to take care of me and my family. I want enough to preach the gospel, to build churches, to take care of orphans. Come on, to help people all over the world. I live to give. And I'm trying to give more away every year. I've got numbers, goals I'm trying to hit. Somebody can come help me with, with the piano. We're going to move forward. But, but I've got goals I try to hit every year. Just like I have goals on what I want to weigh. Come on, I've missed that goal the last couple of years. Y'all pray for me. Uh, I've got goals on, on what I want to give a week. Now I try to, I try to get that goal higher every, every week, every year of my life. Got a mentor out of Maui. He's preached here a lot. You know Dr. Morocco. Dr. Morocco set a goal, and he didn't even make much money. He was believing God. He set a goal of he was going to give $1,000 a week to the glory of God. Said he didn't have any idea how he would do it. He didn't have didn't even make that much money. And um, it's amazing. He made that pledge. He couldn't get there. It took him several years. But he said, as I did that, God began to bless my investments, began to change my situation, began to give me influence around the earth. And whenever I said I made a plan to bless God and bless his house, God started putting together a plan to bless me supernaturally. That man gave away his house and all of his assets like three times. Gave it all away. Most supernatural story of giving I've ever had. God heard. God, God supernaturally took care of him. Come on, how many of y'all believe God's going to supernaturally take care of us? Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning. Amen. He's a good God. So listen, we're going to be a group of people that are generous. Come on, everybody just say, I'm a generous person. We're going to be a group of people that manage well. Come on, let's say this out loud. I'm a wise steward. Let's say it again. I'm a generous person, and I'm a wise steward. Now, I believe if we can get those two things together, come on, we can, we can turn our world upside down. We really can for the glory of God. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, let you at this point, what we're going to do is, is I kind of was telling the church last week, here's the way I want to do stewardship and talk about giving at his church. Uh, most every year around October, we're going to do October, November, we're going to do a financial series, all right? It's where we talk about giving, management, the tithe, that kind of thing. And then every year at the first of the year, we take a special over and above faith offering. Y'all participated in it for many years. It paid to get us in this building, paid to renovate the building, paid to put a new roof on the building. Come on, it's paying to plant churches and doing all kinds of things. We give by faith after the beginning of the year. So those are the two times of the year I want to I talk about that. Other than that, uh, what we want to do on a week-in, week-out basis is we just want to show you what your giving's doing, right? That's kind of the mode of what, what, we're, what we're going after now. And um, I really believe this. I, I want to make it where 
We're such a generous church and a faithful church that we don't have to talk about the rest of that except really those two times a year other than showing you what the money did. How many of y'all would like, like to have a situation like that here at the church? And uh, that's what I want. And everything just taken care of moving forward. All right, well, how, how do we get there? How do we do that? Well, we do that by people being faithful in giving and receiving, faithful in the tithe. And I, I talked about this last week. I'm going to give some of you an opportunity that weren't here last week because of fall break to be a part of it this week. And that is... Um, that, that we're going to, we, we've been taking a tithe challenge. Those of you that haven't been a tither and say, hey, I want to do that. The Bible says, test me now or try me now in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing where there is not room enough to receive it. I'm telling you, God wants to bless you, but, but he wants to bless those that will be faithful in giving and receiving. He said, without tithing, you've robbed me. And because of that, there's a curse on your life. Come on, we don't want you living cursed. We want you living blessed. God's plan for you is blessing, not for cursing. He's a good God, not a bad God. Can I get an amen out there? So listen, those of you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to prepare our giving right now. And those of you that want to be a part of this, you, you, you want to take that tithe challenge. Maybe you lifted your hand up last week. I don't know. Dr. Dave Martin mentioned this a few weeks ago. But you want to do that, you go to prepare your giving, and they're going to put the ways you can give up here. But those of you that want to take that tithe challenge, I want you to get on, I want you to text to give, and I want you to set up recurring automatic giving, right? That way the tithe goes first. And before your money gets away from you on cable and five guys and, come on, new shoes and whatever else, you know what kind of things I like now, right? Cable and five guys. So it's the abundance of my heart. Before your money gets away from you like that, you take care of God's house first. Do it automatically. It's the way, it's the way I do my giving. It's the, way I do, uh, it's the way I think you do investments. You set it up automatically so it doesn't get away from you. So if you were to text, there's the different ways you can give. You can set it up recurring different ways, but 270-228-2525. Text that, and it'll send you a setup. You can set up recurring giving. Come on, we're going we're gonna to bless God, and God is going to bless our house. Amen. Now I'll tell you, while you're, while you're preparing your giving, we'll bless God. God will bless our house. So set it up recurring. Uh, while you're doing this, I was, I was with a guy, interesting story. Here's a testimony, how God will give people power to get wealth. I was with him this week and he was there at the conference with us and uh, he teaches business and having ethical business principles around the world. It's really what he teaches. And especially in developing countries, because there's so much corruption in a lot of the developing countries that even the Christians don't know to be ethical in their business dealings, right? The whole world they live in so corrupt, it's just life to them. And so he teaches that, and I asked him, how'd you get your start in business? He said, man, I had a heart, I love God, and I wanted to be a minister to, to change the world. He said, but I didn't know how. Uh, right now, our campus pastors are coming up around uh, at our different campuses. Come on, y'all give everybody a hand clap for being with us right now. They're going to come and close out the service, finish receiving the tithe, all right? Um, he's like, I'm like, how did you get started? He said, well, listen, here's what, here's what my story kind of was. I, I wanted to be a minister, but God spoke to me. I wasn't to be a pastor. I was to be a businessman. So that was an odd concept back then. People didn't teach that or talk about that. He said, well, okay, if that's what you want me to do, God, that's what I'll do. And he said, I was talking to a business partner 
the guy that we, I was going to get started with, we were going through this list of ideas of what we could build and what we could do. And he said this one idea out loud. And he said, I heard it audibly. I heard God say, that's it. And he said, I looked at my, my partner and he didn't hear it. Only I heard it. But it was like it thundered in my spirit. And he said, it shook me so much. I wasn't even listening to him. He kept talking for a few minutes. And I said, back up to this idea. And the guy backed up to a certain idea. He said, that's the one we ought to do. I believe God told me that's the one we ought to do. And he said, with a bag of parts and $5,000, they started a company in Silicon Valley. They sold that company for $40 billion. How many of y'all like to have God talk to you like that? Come on. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. But it's interesting. You know what this man's life's about? This man's life's about funding the gospel. He pays uh, behind the scenes for clinics that train young women and teach young women, give them options other than aborting their babies all over the nation. This man funds it. Funds missions, clean water, education, political uh, issues that affect Christians all over the world. It's one story where God gave a man power to obtain wealth, not simply for himself, but to establish the covenant of God. Amen? I want to pray over all of us that God will give us the power. Amen? To establish his covenant. All right? Prepare your giving today. God's going to bless us. All right? Father, I thank you to help us. Lord, I thank you that, that Deuteronomy says that you would give us the power to obtain wealth. And Lord, I thank you that we don't just obtain it, but we retain it as well. Give us wisdom how to hold on to some of what you put in our hand, an appropriate amount to go forward. Father, I thank you for giving us the right relationship with money. Lord, I thank you that bad ideas, bad teaching, greediness, all that kind of thing, it'd be broken out of our congregation, and that wholeness and health with finances would flow in this house. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, and the church said, amen.